0: Welcome to Board Game Binge, the place where we bring you bite-sized, bingeable board game content from across the industry. I'm your host, James Daly, and in this episode, we're chatting with Martin Van Rossum from Rolling Rhino Games, a print-and-play game publisher focused on great game design. Their newest title, Chateau, is currently on Kickstarter. Martin, welcome to The bench. How are you doing? Hi, James. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm doing fine. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. It is awesome to have you on The bench. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, let me just start off by saying what a cool name of your company, Rolling Rhino. I love it. Uh, what was the genesis behind that?
1: <laughs> uh, oh, it, it was quite a journey because it's, it's honestly quite hard to come up with a company name. Uh, you have to... Uh, you have to get a, a domain name, of course. Um, so it was just uh, endless brainstorming, finding out any available uh, domain names, and we found it really fun. And we wanted something, of course, like um, related to games. So we had rolling from because we make a lot of dice games, mm-hmm. um, and something that relates to an animal. That's always good to have a mascot. Uh, but in the end, uh, the rolling, it, it was a dice at first, but now it's more like a rhino on roller skates. Yeah, because <laughs> it was just more fun.
0: <laughs> oh, the logo is super cool. I absolutely love it. So congrats on that. Um, so w- what do you do? Like, what's your what's your day job? What do you do for a living outside of uh, board games?
1: Okay. Uh, so I uh, recently uh, changed jobs uh, quite uh, radically, uh, also to make it more easily to design games. So... I was a teacher in higher education and uh, I quit my job um, in the summer and now I uh, run a family business. So uh, my parents started the business and I'm uh, taking over. It's a yeah. retail business, garden center, um, uh, e-commerce. So we have some web shops. Uh, so I have about 40 employees right now, but it wow. allows me to be an entrepreneur and also combine this with the um the hobby um, and also be an entrepreneur uh, in there. that's awesome. And, and what were you teaching before? So in the higher education like what what specifically yeah. were you teaching? So uh, my students were uh, becoming primary school teachers themselves um, and I was teaching them uh, science, biology, uh, technology. Uh, those are the those were the yeah the courses I was teaching them. Yeah. Uh, so it was really a lot of fun, um, especially pre-COVID, because we've been working from home for a long time uh, during all of that. Um, but it was also time for uh, like a new challenge for me personally.
0: Yeah. And in so, that case, were you were you like obviously teaching like the the subjects right to these people who then go on to become teachers themselves? Did you get into any of the any of the teaching side as well, like teaching them? You yeah. know how to teach these subjects because a lot of that comes is important, yeah. right? It's not about just yeah. knowing the topic, but it's okay. Now, how do you teach this to someone that doesn't know it, right?
1: Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. So the didactic didactics of uh, of yeah. how to how to bring something across. Uh, honestly, I think most of the um, the lessons were about how to get the message across. Just because uh, my students were becoming primary school teachers. Yeah. So they didn't have to know, um, an extreme high level of biology or technology, but it's because they are minor, um, um, how do you call it? Uh, smaller, uh, subjects in yep. school. Okay. So yeah. They don't have to have an extremely high level of knowledge, but, um, it, it was more important to get kids, uh, enthusiastic for these kind of, uh, subjects yeah. and to, um, learn how um yeah how to run the, because um of course primary school teachers most of them also were uh women and not all of them are very much into technology or those mm. kind of subjects but there's they are important to teach in primary school so it was also uh, working on uh, on that and making sure all of them um felt competent to teach those kind of subjects uh, in their own classes
0: and then the shift to this, uh, this family business, I mean, which is a completely different industry altogether. Yeah. I mean, that must have been quite uh, an adjustment for you at all, or was it something that was kind of in the plans for a number of years or?
1: Yeah, no, no, it, it, it was really, yeah, it was really a big adjustment, but um, yeah, it feels really good. It's really, it's really fun. I work with um, my two brothers, my sister my parents are all in the company, um, which is also complicated, but it's also a lot of fun. <laughs> But uh, yeah, it's it's completely different uh, from board game perspective. It's fun that we also sell board games. So I'm also uh, a retailer basically. Um, so you also see the, the retail side of things um, and also see the, the buying behavior of uh, the regular customers. So yeah. we are a big garden center. Um, we are not uh, like uh, a hobby store. So we sell just smaller games and puzzles. Um, and it's not the the, the board game uh, experts aren't coming to our shop, but just the regular uh, people who are perhaps looking for a, a fun little card game or a dice game uh, to pick up. So uh, yeah, you also learn about customer behavior in that way.
0: So it's mainly impulse. It would, I guess is it impulse uh, buy essentially yeah, for, much, for these guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody comes yeah, to get a plant impulse. and they see
1: a yeah. yeah, and for and also just like. Um, uh, for for the family, for for the kids, for the so you yeah, uh, yeah, you see what makes uh, someone buy a game, actually. And many of those smaller games uh, are used as gifts,
0: yeah. it's cool when i whenever I talk to a guest about, you know, what do they do for a living? And for those who who are listening, wondering like you know why do you ask a person, you know why are you get into the board games? Why do you want to know about the about what they do as a day job? For me, I find it's very interesting in terms of informing. How someone comes uh, approaches the industry, right? So, on one side, you have a teaching background, right? So that's going to yeah. help you in terms of rule book design and and setting out, um, you know, the the methodology behind how you're going to explain your game to people. So that's a transferable skill. Um, on the business side, obviously, you're going to have things like logistics and um, you know, and sourcing and procurement and And even accounting and these kind of skills that are gonna come into play when when you're doing something like a Kickstarter campaign, right so having um any skill set quite frankly in any industry, there's usually something you can transfer over into this industry that's gonna help you be um you know at least have a leg up in in one facet of this entire uh mix of bringing a game to market,
1: yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. That's no, it's cool. Yeah. It's interesting when you're talking about rolling Rhino games and, and saying, you know, we wanted to come up with something that was unique and, and that we could have access to get the URL, right? That's the big thing yeah. is how do I get the URL? How do I yeah. get all the social handles that all match so I don't have like three or four different social handles depending on the platform you go on? Yeah, That was something we did that was very similar when I came up with my company named uh, Tin Robot Games. Um, you know, the, the idea of the character was something I was inspired by, uh, when I was actually in a restaurant down in New York city, saw them up on the back of a bar, these little tin robots. Hmm. But a lot of this had to do with, Hey, can I get the URL? Can I get uh, the social media handles? And is it all going to match? And when I did yeah. the search and saw that it did, I was like, done. Like that's <laughs> done. You yeah. know, that that, that is a huge achievement. Right. And that's, yeah, that's yeah, the yeah, challenge yeah, not everybody always goes through. So for people out there looking to come up with maybe a company name, that's one thing you want to do when, when you're doing your, 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 your name creation, you want to, is it go on like a, a GoDaddy.com right? and do a search yeah. to see if your URL is available. You want to get the dot com, hopefully not pay a premium for it. You want to check the at whatever that handle is the exact same handle across Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram to make sure in YouTube to make sure you can get those, make sure someone else hasn't taken them. Um, and then lastly, it doesn't hurt to do a trademark search as well. And you can do that by yeah. going to say trademarkia.com and run a trademark search to see if that trademark is taken by anyone else. Cause that will help you understand if there's going to be a problem down the road. Once you become successful, that's usually when the people come out of the woods to start challenging you on these types of things. Right. So, yeah. uh, yeah. kudos and to I, you guys.
1: Yeah, totally. And if I may add also just, uh, besides checking for like trademarks, also just, Searching because maybe maybe it's not something that's trademarked or someone, um, but maybe there's just I don't know a big Facebook group or someone with a yeah. big following on Reddit, who knows, or YouTube um, that has somewhat of a similar name, and um, you still might end up getting confused or mixed up with this, um, uh, even if the other person doesn't really make a, a problem out of it. You just want to be found uh, fast and quick by people and um, on Google. Especially
0: well, I mean, and I can speak to Canada specifically Uh, here in Canada. A trademark, uh, you can challenge a trademark even if you don't have it. So, if you can show that you have uh, a proof of use, right? So, if you can prove you've been using that in the marketplace, didn't go through the formal process of maybe necessarily applying for the trademark, someone else applies for the trademark you can still file a claim against them for that, right? And this is basically yeah. keeps uh, trademark trolls from establishing themselves in, in your marketplace, right? Going and trademarking everything. So then when someone tries to enter the market, they come in and call them out. So you have to show right of use, but if you show right of use, you can still uh, challenge somebody on your on the trademark, which is, uh, which yeah. is cool in this country anyways. Um, so talk to me a little bit about your print and play, right? Because as a company, you've kind of put your stake in the sand. And you said, you know, going forward, we're going to be a print and play company. That, that's, that's what we're putting together. Yeah. What was the rationale behind that? Why did you decide to take that path?
1: Um, well, there are, there are many reasons, um, many pros for print and play. Um, it's just a, a way for us to uh, much quicker, get a lot more games uh, published and, 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 and out there and just much quicker and also all around the world. Um, it also allows me to focus a lot more on game design which is just what I enjoy most and um, focus less on um, manufacturing distribution logistics or pitching communication uh, if you're going for the um, uh, route where you're taking a publisher um, and also on marketing um, because okay if, if the game doesn't do very great it's it's there's not much. Uh, not much harm. There isn't a very big investment, um, so it allows me to just focus on game design, try to bring a good game, and then see if people are interested in um, in backing it and getting it to the table quickly. In about a month later, they can have the game mm-hmm. on their table. Um, and it also, yeah, it just appears like in the in the over the last year, maybe two years, uh, it has shown that there is also quite a market um, of people interested in print and play games. There's also quite a niche within the hobby who likes these kinds of games. Um, And I also personally really like smaller, simpler games. And they also uh, are more easily transferred to the one page uh, print and play uh, format uh, because we try to keep everything on one page, um, which is a challenge. And I also really like the challenge honestly with just limiting yourself within the design space. I personally also really like card games, but um, I just really try to stick to the one page. So no uh, other components besides dice um, and then a pencil, uh, or I, or we could replace the dice with some tokens, but that's about as far as we go. So you're, we are very limited within the design space, but it's also really a challenge I just really like.
0: And then your first game that you launched was, uh, I believe it's called Rocco Ranger um which is very successful over a thousand backers which is which is incredible so congrats on that um what led into was that the first game you'd ever created or is it just the first one you tried to publish on kickstarter or how did that come about
1: yeah well of of course i've created more games that have just failed or (laughs) (laughs) weren't good enough uh but honestly chateau which is live right now was finished uh earlier Um, It was just that Rocco Ranger, um, all of the graphics and the art was just um, done uh, more quickly and was uh, ready faster. Um, And Chateau, we just uh, needed a bit more time. Um, But I I expected to bring Chateau first, but Rocco Ranger (laughs) caught up. Um, But honestly, that's how I see it going with more designs. I think the same goes for you, James, where you work uh, on, on a few designs at the time and some designs are stuck at some point and they uh, maybe won't get them as much love for a few weeks or months yeah. and others uh, catch up and, and pass by so even um, uh, yeah right now the probably our next game is one that's just surpassed like three other games who might make it but they are um, either wait, waiting for art or uh, stuck on some mechanical problem we we can't solve just yet. Um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of how it goes.
0: And who do you get to do your art? Is this always so many different? Do you have the same people? and how, how do you approach the art part of this?
1: Um, so we started out by just um, posting um, a message like we're looking for an artist mm-hmm. um, on our own website and in some uh, groups with uh, artists. And from all the responses, we just um, filtered and asked um, asked someone uh, to get started. Um, and in the end, uh, we did this game with Luis Blanco. He's um, an artist. I think he lives in Argentina. A very friendly guy, and he also yeah makes great art. We're very pleased with uh, what he did for Chateau. Um, so yeah, basically um, yeah, we took the that route, just putting it out there, and um, got a lot of emails. And it's and then of course yeah, you gotta look like what kind of art style fits our game. Yeah. And you know, like that.
0: Yeah. And I I echo the sentiment on finding an art number one, we live in a in a global economy, which is great. Right. And the fact that we now have the technology where you can work with people literally around the world. I mean, I'd be remiss not to mention that you're in the Netherlands right now. I'm in Canada, right? We're having yeah. a, a real-time conversation, which just blows my mind. Like 20 years ago, this wasn't a thing, right? So um, you know, it is so cool that the technology allows us to do that. And I often do the same thing, right? I'll go onto a Facebook group and I'll say, hey, I'm looking for an artist. This is the kind of style I'm looking for. Um, You know, DM me if you're interested and you will find people from around the world will reach out. And there's some very, very talented people uh, globally, right? So you don't have to just look to the US or you just don't have to look to uh, the country you live in to find an artist. There are artists around the world that are hungry, that are excited, that want to get into the industry. And uh, and it's just a matter of finding the right artist to, to match up with the, the vision you have for your particular game.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if I, if I may add uh, to that, um... We, we also, we made a page and we're very specific. So it's not like, uh, hey, we look for an artist, uh, send me your email. Uh, artists also likes to know, like, who are you? Um, what exactly are you expecting? Um, what would the payment look like? Because maybe it's not a budget they're interested in, in, in working yeah. with. Um, so we were very specific and uh, we gave examples of the kind of art we would like. We gave uh, a budget. We get, were very specific in the, uh, the amount of work it would be. Um, because yeah you also have to give them uh, like an opportunity to make a calculation and yep. uh, decide is this something I'm interested in and you will also see some of the responses some of them were just dropped their um, art yep. station or their email and didn't really read and some of them really took a look at the page and said oh I really like this or "I really like um, uh, I really like castles and I see this is a castle game and um, and so, and so, so you see, oh, this one really looked at the page. And, uh, so he really made sure this is a fit for him or yeah. her. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It is so important to make sure you've got the right fit. And, you know, I think the mistake some people might make, and I made this early in, in, in my career in, in the gaming industry was I would try to find an artist. And then when I fit locked in on an artist, I would try my best to try to convince them that I was a fit for them. And that is never the good way to approach it. Right? you want yeah. what you want to do is you want to put it out there. This is what i'm I'm looking to do. Here's my budget and so forth, and you, you put all the criteria. And then yeah. you want to find the person that has both the skill set and the design history that kind of matches the look you're looking for, but most importantly, are excited. Yeah. And passionate to work on your project. I mean, it is it is a monumental difference between working with someone who is excited and really, really wants to work with you on your project and someone that you've kind of had to try to convince and you're haggling over rates and things like that, I mean, you are better off to try to find someone else um, to to come forward with your project because things are gonna come up in your project that you didn't anticipate or something's gonna have to be changed. And what you don't wanna be doing is getting into a position where um, it's a constant kind of haggle back and forth. What you wanna do is really look at that as a collaborative process. You gotta find somebody who approaches it very much like they are on your team as a collaboration
1: yeah yeah totally it's, it's super important also yeah just communication is super important Yeah. It's also what we were selecting it was also just it was also important like how fast is someone replying how are uh, how are they uh, replying even yeah. if they don't speak English I mean I'm not a native speaker but yeah. I want to be able to communicate at least so if someone is from another country how well uh, can I communicate with this person before we're getting uh, started together
0: yeah no for sure and then with in the netherlands how is the gaming industry there is it is it large do you have like gaming groups that you go to like how, how's the industry there
1: um i think it really differs from where you live uh, in the bigger <laughs> cities there's there's uh, uh, quite a lot going on um but um I feel like the Netherlands is is there are quite a lot of uh, board game enthusiasts. There are also quite a lot of uh, Dutch board game designers. So mm-hmm. I feel like it's a very um, yeah it's very active uh, hobby around here. Um, yeah, I, for publishing, um, the most publishers do focus a lot on um, translating and mm. putting out games from other countries. Because we are a smaller uh, market, of course. So, yeah, localization. Um, yeah. yeah, just localization of foreign games. Um, so there is perhaps a little less potential of finding different uh, publishers uh, to pitch to or because that's their focus um, of most of them, which is understandable because um, we are a, f- a fairly small market and there are so many great games, so many big publishers they can um, do business with, of course.
0: Yeah. So I'm going to just circle back to Chateau here for a second. So, cause I want to talk about this game as well, which is live on Kickstarter. So and I'd be remiss not to say that as well as that you've already hit your goal. So congratulations. What was the inspiration behind Chateau? Uh,
1: well, Chateau um, started out uh, when I um, was doing a challenge with myself. So one game a week, mm-hmm. one page, one game a week. And my son was four at the time. And he really liked these kind of games, these puzzle games with the polyomino shapes. Uh, so for everyone, anyone who doesn't know, it's a it's a polyomino uh, game where you uh, must complete a castle, uh, basically. And uh, my son really uh, really liked those kind of games, but many of them uh, at the end had quite complicated math and scoring. And well, he was four, um, so he. He couldn't read and he couldn't do any complicated math. And um, and other games that were simpler were perhaps a bit repetitive for me. Uh, so I was looking for a game that would be fun for both of us. And uh, and I tried to create this with Chateau. So it's a game that's really easy to get into. And youngsters can easily play it. Um, it has a castle theme. So that's something that appeals to youngsters. But also, they are uh, based on the official historic buildings. So any adult who's into history or traveling would also really like the theme. And I really try to merge those two. And for the adults, there is um, asymmetry. Every castle is different. So there's replayability. So I try to uh, merge those two worlds and bring something that's very accessible and simple, but also offer some depth.
0: And then how many uh, castles are there all together? Like I'm counting here. It looks like there's at least is twelve? 12 castles.
1: Uh, yeah, We we, start, uh, we started the campaign with a five in a base game, and um, there are two expansions, one for Scandinavia with three uh, castles, and mm-hmm. one for the United Kingdom with three castles, um, and we have a total of nine castles as stretch goals. So if we hit, uh, there are currently already four unlocked. Um, if we hit all of them, there would be a total of 20 castles available so, and and each of them has a different blueprint, different uh, ability, something some special rule uh, they can mess around with. and uh, yeah, and and offer a new strategy, basically
0: And then with your um so it's, it's basically five euros, right? So if somebody wants to to yeah. to do a base pledge, five euros, which isn't a huge investment. I'm sure people are spending that on coffees right now. And uh, so for five euros, you get the base game, which comes with... Um, uh, so sorry, is it, sorry, it's five that come with the,
1: with, the, with the base? Yeah. So in the base game, it's okay. uh, Neuschwanstein, which is a very uh, famous one in, in Germany. It's uh, Alhambra in Spain, Buckingham Palace in Britain, um, Castel del Monte in Italy, and uh, Chateau de Versailles. If I'm pronouncing all of these correctly in, in <laughs> France, um, so some of the most famous ones are in this uh, in this base set.
0: Oh, that's awesome. So uh, five dollars for the base game, uh, eight dollars. Then you can get um, the base game plus you pick one of these regions, or for eleven dollars you get the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so correct. you get all the castles, which is yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. which is cool. So if, uh, definitely lots of replayability there.
1: How did you choose the castles? How did you come up with these different castles? Yeah, that was honestly yeah, it was it's quite hard because there's so many to choose from. Yeah. Uh, so we made yeah, just made a very long list and then uh, set some criteria. So first of all, there were a few that are just very famous and had to be included, like for instance Chateau de Versailles. Yeah. Uh, and Neuschwanstein. Um, so there are some of them that were like uh, yeah, they have to be in the game. Uh, but then you're looking for uh, a diversity you want castles with different shapes i want each of them to be very unique um, yeah. i mean there are quite a lot of castles who are quite similar in their blueprints they have like four towers like the classic uh, castle look um so i wanted only one of uh in, in this style basically so i wanted uh, different uh blueprints um i wanted castles in different countries uh, so i wanted one in spain one in italy one in uh, just the the major european countries who are known for their castles um and also because I know many of our backers come from those countries. So, uh, and I know it's always fun to see something from your own country. Sure. Um, yeah, so I try to include many different countries, but also just looking from uh, a gameplay perspective, um, I really, officially, really like uh, symmetric buildings or symmetric blueprints. So quite a lot of them are um, s- symmetric. Um, like for instance, Costeldo Monta is perhaps one that's not the most um a famous castle but it is a really cool castle with like eight pillars yep. completely uh, um symmetrical um so that's just a really cool shape so that's why it made it into the game basically and then of course some of the castles were just uh we couldn't uh fit the spaces in there so they were not an option so every castle has around 60 spaces. Some have a few more, some have mm. a few less. And was going to ask we, that. Yeah, okay. Yeah. This is something we balanced with the, with the abilities. So some have a, a few more spaces, but have quite a stronger ability. Uh, but if it really didn't fit within um, between uh, uh, 58 and 62, it was just not an option to use that castle. And all of them are, of course, simplified versions of the blueprints. None of them yeah. are uh, on scale. Um, but it still has to work and still has to resemble the blueprint. Um, so it was really uh, quite a puzzle and a lot of drawing these castles and, oh, no, this one doesn't work and uh, heading on to the next. And then, of course, yeah, trying to yeah really pick 20 very distinct ones. I also wanted different um, uh, times of, when they were built, different uh, years, mm. uh, some different uh, ages. So, yeah, just trying to uh, offer some... Uh, some replayability in that way
0: yeah it's cool I, I love hearing the process right so you have like a, a you, you choose a castle you pick a blueprint or i guess a if you can look at it from a bird's eye view of the castle and then you send it over to the artist at that point and say okay now here's our castle simplify it and then do they put the 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 squares in or are you putting the squares in or how does that how do you do all
1: that no 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 the game was was all done uh, when we sent it to the artist. So um we just started off with uh, a very ugly prototype with uh, just blocks representing the the blueprint and just play testing them over and over again and Mm. um yeah if it turns out one um so first of of course you start with just some some math so some abilities you know the these are a bit stronger so we match these with the bigger castles um but when it turns out like this castle is has just a hard time winning or this is way too strong then we uh, switch around the abilities, nerf the ability, abilities, buff them. Or um, we also have like hammers. Hammers allow you to mark off any space. So we yeah. so add or reduce uh, the amount of hammers. Um, and the icons that are placed in the chateau can also be placed a bit more difficult or a bit easier. So those are basically the few things we could, uh, could adjust. And then just... Endless play test until all of those 20 Chateaus are at the same level of, uh, yeah, are balanced and, and have an equal chance of winning, basically. Um, and at that point, everything goes towards the, um, to the artist.
0: Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, it's, and I think this is helpful for other people that are maybe doing their own game design, right? They want to do a roll and write or something like that is you create a very crude uh, version, right. And then once you kind of get that worked out and the mechanics worked out, then you can kind of send it off to the artist and get them to kind of clean it up. Um, I know myself often, if I have cards, I'll use, um, clip art, you know, images, I'll go on something yeah. like flat icon or, uh, the noun project to get, uh, icons that I can put on the cards. And again, you're working through mechanics, working through mechanics. And I wait until we have something that's kind of working yeah. well uh before then you take to the next step to say okay let's get an artist now to to reskin this and, and clean it up and make it look uh, truly beautiful right so yeah. um so that's super awesome and so now you're doing uh obviously rolling rights kind of what you've uh lashed on this next game you've got coming up uh is this a roll and write as well or is it a different print and play or what's the next game you've got kind of coming
1: um yeah if you're um, okay
0: to talk about it, that is. Yeah, no, no, no,
1: that's okay, that's okay. Um, I'm just, uh, in my mind, like, there are uh, two games that are uh, <laughs> quite uh, getting closer. Uh, so, um, yeah, no, let's let's talk about one that isn't isn't uh, isn't so much a roll and Um That's more of, a, like, a story-driven game. It's the one we're uh, working on as well. And also, like, with uh, Roku Ranger, a previous game, it's also a bit, like, on on the edge of, is it a roll and right game? Um, like Chateau is much more, um, what you expect from a run-and-write game. Simultaneous Mm -hmm. play, everyone uses the same dice, there are polyomino shapes, so much more of those conventional run-and-write, uh, mechanisms, uh, return in that game. Uh, but we do try, um, yeah, to come up with something unique, of course, because the run-and-write genre is very crowded, and also the the print-and-play genre is also getting a lot more crowded, um, but it's also just it's also just fun to find something something that hasn't been done with one sheet of paper and a pair of dice. Yeah. Um, so we do try. Uh, yeah, to come with, uh, come up with something unique, of course.
0: No, oh, that's cool. Well, Martin, I want to wish you all the best on this campaign. I know that uh, you're only part way through. You just launched um can't wait to see how many days you got left 29 days left <laughs> so you're already have funded so good for you uh, i'm sure you're going to be happy with where this ends up landing And I can't wait to see the next iteration coming out of Rolling Rhino Games. For those who do want to back this campaign, uh, simply go to Kickstarter and type in Chateau. You'll find it there. I'll also put a link in the show notes, or you can go to the Board Game Binge podcast Facebook group. It's a private Facebook group. Simply send us an invite uh, when you get there. uh, That'll keep the bots out. You'll get an automatic uh, approval after about two minutes. And we'll also put a link in the video there. Uh, Martin, all the best is coming here to you and your family. You take care. Thank you very much, James. Cheers. This has been an episode of the Board Game Binge Podcast, hosted by James Staley, produced by James Staley and Mike Bruner, with original music by Nick Smith. If you'd like to watch these interviews live, simply subscribe to our YouTube channel, Board Game Binge, and you'll get access to live interviews, giveaways, and interesting board game content across the industry. I can't wait for you to join us. See you next time.